the Cancri, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. And uh, we're talking gay news. Are we now? We certainly are. Now, one of the big stories that we have been keeping an eye on uh, is uh, a Canadian story where a, a gentleman who... Uh, he's been working as a nurse in Edmonton. Okay. Uh, he's 25-year-old. I believe his name is Sue. Um, has been... Or will be at, at time of recording right. has not yet. Okay, but all indications are will have by the time you hear this, been deported back to Uganda. Right now, Sirius can claim that uh, he is a gay man. Mm-hmm. Now we've mentioned multiple times on this show that Uganda currently has one of the worst anti-gay laws in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I identified myself as an aggravated homosexual. But Mm -hmm. in Uganda, that has a death penalty. Right. They will literally kill you for being an aggravated homosexual. From what I understand, it's a law in the books that hasn't been used yet, but it's on the books at all. And that is... I mean, that's that's still scary. Well, people people have gone to prison. People have been rounded up and yeah. arrested, and yeah. yeah, yeah. There's been some. There's been law enforcement. Yes. No one's been put to death yet, I think. But it is on the books, and that doesn't make it okay. No, no, no. So he is very concerned. Now, the the reason why this is particularly newsworthy. So he was here on uh, various visas. He's uh, claimed, I believe, asylum, mm-hmm. um, and Canada has refused. To grant him uh, uh, refugee status, okay, uh, or asylum, whichever one it is in in this case, and the reason being that to be able to flee persecution, you have to prove that you've been persecuted, mm. um, and it may not have been able to do that. Now, Uganda's leading LGBT activists have weighed in, written documentation saying, "Yes, this is a gay man coming here is." Not great. Uh, He's been involved with the queer community in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And some folks there are like, yes, this is a gay man. And uh, yeah, he's been here. And then, but the challenge is that according to the Canadian government, uh, or his reporting of what the Canadian government is saying, Mm -hmm. uh, he has insufficiently proven his gayness. Okay. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this before, you know. Remember when... There was this backlash for lesbians that had to have manly hands. Do you recall that? Manly hands. That manly hand test that lesbians had to do. I don't remember this. I mean, that was maybe like eight years ago or something. But uh, okay. yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, it was a refugee application. But yeah, no, it's, how do you prove, how do you prove you're gay without, you know, literally demonstrating? I mean, the, 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 the uh, even then... If it's to save your life, people would be willing to do all sorts of things to. But but beyond that, I mean, I don't know. the 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 obvious joke joke answer is you show them your gay card. But I mean, that's obviously that's something that doesn't exist. So I don't know. I don't know how you would prove that. Um, you could even show up with a husband, but there are whole movies. I mean, there, there's an Adam Sandler movie about a guy who marries his best friend for, for insurance fraud reasons. Like, it's anything you could do, somebody could excuse as being, well, you're just doing that for the paperwork. And it's hard to prove. It really is hard to prove. I don't know what the answer is. And I don't think anyone has ever come up with an answer that is not 
uh, a human rights violation, basically. Yeah. Well, it's it's a struggle now because they used to do like rectum tests and things like oh, that. Oh, all kinds of ridiculousness, weird things. Yeah, and then they figured out no, this is stupid, basically, mm-hmm. and, and intrusive and a human rights violation. Now, according to the CBSA, uh, Canada's Border and Protective Services, what was it? Canada Border Services Agency. I was like, Border, no, I'm gonna figure out what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the CBSA said, look, we don't just deport people willy-nilly. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? There is a whole process. Uh, he applied back in April of 2022. This yeah. is now late December of 2023. You know, it's 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 been a it's been a process. Mm-hmm. And CBSA is saying, you know, all individuals are subject to removal have access to the same due process and procedural fairness, mm-hmm. and they say decision to remove someone from Canada is not taken lightly. Uh, lightly. I believe they were speaking to the Global Mail um, on, on that front. Mm-hmm. Now, Sue, the, the gentleman being deported, has also reached out to Randy Boissonneau, MP for Alberta, one of the MPs in Alberta. He was the LGBT secretariat, mm-hmm. briefly, under the uh, Liberal government. Um, definitely a strong ally, for sure, but I, do, I mean... I don't know. Without reading the details of his case, mm-hmm. it's really hard to weigh in. You know, on the face of it, gay man being deported to the most homophobic country in the world, mm-hmm. probably not the best idea. Right. But at the other hand, what kind of 18 to 20 month process um, leads to that conclusion? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, sometimes you hear about, we, we don't report on everything we find, but there have been reports of people being deported, but it was because all they had to do was fill out some paperwork to extend their refugee status, because refugee status is usually granted for like a period of time. Um, and they just never filled out the paperwork. And after like months of past due notices, the government was basically like, like, buddy, it's been a year. You got to get out. All you had to do was sign a thing. You didn't sign the thing. You gotta get out. Which maybe it's a little Brazil, the movie, not the country. Um, you know, you didn't fill the paperwork correctly, so we're gonna stick you in a cannabis bag and hook you over the wall. Like that's it. It kind of feels like that. But then on the other hand, if I don't know, it's when you have refugee status, there are certain protocols you need to fulfill in order to maintain that refugee status. And from what I understand, because I, I have spoken to other people. Uh, including uh, lawyers who help deal with this, Mm -hmm. the various ministries involved, because there's more than one, really, um, they grease the wheels as much as they can to make the process as uncomplicated as possible, even though it is a complicated process. So it would be IRCC, uh, Immigration, Refugee, and Citizenship Canada, would Mm -hmm. be the other agency. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, there's multiple agencies involved as well. Mm -hmm. But anyway... um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll provide you with a translator if you need one. They'll provide you with various services. Sometimes there's a queue. You can't just walk in and grab a translator. You have to wait until next Friday or something. But, you know, there are services available. And, and it's it's weird and unfortunate. Every so often you hear about somebody getting deported and then you find out they did nothing. Yeah. And is that fair? I don't know. You know, it, it's sort of like, do you lose your house because you messed up one mortgage payment is that fair no 
Also, I well, don't think you would. <laughs> but I mean, it's just, you know, what what are the conditions on the contract you signed when you bought your house? Mm-hmm. Did you violate those conditions, yes or no? And there, there comes a point where it's like you're being kind of a, a, a dingus if you enforce this and evict people from their house. But on the other hand, they did sign a contract. So I don't know. It's It's heartless, but it's the system. And I guess if that's the problem, then what needs to change is the system. It's, it's not this one case that, that yeah. is a system-wide problem. It's, it's worth noting that, first of all, Canada is bringing in hundreds of thousands of people. Oh, yeah. You know, there is a, that, that's a growing debate right now. Yeah. But realistically, on the one hand, where do you house all of these folks? Mm. But on the other hand, who is going to farm the farms in the Niagara region? You know, who is going to prop up the economy as Canadians age out of a lot of jobs? Like, there is a labor deficit that they're trying to balance, but also you can't balance the labor deficit if everyone's homeless. Yeah. Right? Then it's, it's tricky. It's not easy. Yeah. But the point I want to circle back to here is Canada brings in more LGBTQ refugees than I think any other country in the world. Okay. We are a global leader on supporting queer refugees, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the world over. So it's not like Canada's cold and mean. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. But I do wonder, how how do you create an avenue for queer folks to claim refugee status? Because as a gay man, I don't know if I would support just identifying. Yeah. I am gay, grant me asylum. Yeah. You know, because there are millions millions and millions of people um, who are in desperate situations in refugee camps all over the world. Mm -hmm. And if all you have to do to move to Montreal is announce that you're a homosexual, then we're going to be lined up out the door. You know what I mean? There has to be a balance. In the interaction between that and asylum in specific, you could have somebody who's like a confirmed terrorist in their home country, and then they say, well, I'm a homosexual. I'm going to get killed if I go back home. It's like, well, I mean... One would hope that their 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 status as a confirmed criminal in their home country would be a, a mitigating factor. When granted yeah, now let's be let's be clear here for all of our listeners: Canada does not allow criminals to, to, to claim asylum in in Canada. I mean, technically they do though, because being gay makes you a criminal in Uganda. Mm-hmm. So I mean, well, an aggravated homosexual. Yes. So I mean, it, it depends on on. What crimes you're talking about. I mean, in general, if it's a crime in Canada as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the main thing. Like, you can't murder people here either. So yeah. if you're trying to, to claim homosexual asylum status in Canada to skirt around... Best not kill people. Yeah, 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 yeah. But let's be honest here. Millions and millions of refugees. Yeah. There aren't millions and millions of murderers hiding amongst them. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's going to be a very small number. But it brings back to this point. How do we you know, meter the gates. Yes. You know, is it a uh, red herring? You know, is it a false idea that people are pretending to be gay to claim asylum? You know what I mean? So should we just trust people that are? It's one of those things, if you and I can think of it, somebody else has thought of it and somebody else has done it. It's not an issue of, is it being done? It probably has. The issue is, is it enough of a problem to be a problem? Mm Mm-hmm. Is that track? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I don't I don't know if it is a big enough issue to be a problem, though. 
because there are, if you're fleeing Uganda for various reasons, there are other countries you could go to that are closer mm-hmm. and probably culturally more similar. They may share more languages in common, more like ethno-religious practices in common. Like the best place, a lot of Ukrainian refugees went back to Ukraine and then went to like Poland or Poland yeah, or, or Romania, like countries that are accepting refugees that are more similar to Ukraine because they actually integrate more easily. And in general, that's that's what's going to happen. If you're fleeing Uganda and you're not going like two countries over, you're going two continents over, then you're you're going far. It's also hard to say that you're proving your homosexuality. You know, if you're in a country where it is illegal, you're not going to be marching around in a pride parade and, you know, cottaging in the local park. True. There is, you know, people... And, and we've we've talked about this before that people's sexuality reflects the time and space in which they live. Yeah, you know your sexual self, uh, you know, at a family dinner yeah. is going to be very different from your sexual self at a nightclub with yeah. your loved one. You know how you embody your sexuality changes depending on where you are, mm-hmm. and likewise, being in a country that is the most homophobic in yeah. the world. Yeah. I don't know if I would, you know, if it was me, if I would do anything that I could then point backwards and say, that proves I was gay. You know, how do you create a track record of gayness when your safety depends on being as invisible as possible? Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's a huge challenge. I don't know how we can balance that. Well, I mean, whatever evidence the state would use against you in Uganda, you could just use that same evidence, maybe. But then do you have to be at a point where you've provoked the authorities True. to be able to go and then claim asylum in in, in Canada? True. You know, and at that point, you're putting your own life at risk. Yeah. And, you know, like, and is that what Canada is asking of our refugees? Yeah. That you have to put yourself at risk, be persecuted before we'll even entertain the idea. Mm-hmm. It's a tricky one. How do you prove you're gay without literally proving you're gay? Um, I don't know where we go from there. Uh, we will be monitoring the story. As I said, at time of recording, uh, he is going to be deported tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very likely that uh, he has been deported at this point in time. All right. We will be playing now our first track of the day. And that track is, I'm just going to make sure I've got the right one here, Mm -hmm. Uh, Beyond the Stars by The Shoegaze Project. This is uh, a great track. We like this one. Oh, Shoegaze. I love Shoegaze. Absolutely. All right. Beyond the Stars by The Shoegaze Project. And we will be back just after this. Thank you. 
welcome back to Cangri, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. I'm Sebastian. And you found some news out of Les Belles Provence. La Belle Provence. Uh, Quebec, also. Uh, yes. So, uh, the Quebec legislature is doubling its budget to invest in fighting against homophobia and transphobia in the province. Like, the entire budget of Quebec? I mean... Or just that particular budget line? That particular budget line. Okay, that makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so they're, they're going up to $24 million over the next five years, and they're doing this in conjunction with up to 70 various community groups. Mm-hmm. And from what I've been able to find, it seems about 55% of the budget is going to those community groups, and the rest is going to promoting... Um, well, to promotions like, well, I'm, I'm translating in my head here. Um, to awareness campaigns. There you go. That's the word I was looking oh, for. Okay. Awareness campaigns and stuff for for sports and whatnot. Now, two point five. Obviously, there's going to be administration. Every ministry has administration. Yes. But two point five million. Let's say two two point something million. Um, on awareness campaigns. Yes. Mm, that's a ridiculously large amount of money to raise awareness of the gays. Yes. Well, I mean, you have to bear in mind that if you're doing YouTube spots or a poster campaign on local buses, uh, just because you're the government doesn't mean you get to do it for free. Hmm. They also have to pay. I suppose my question is, and and we spoke a little bit about this during the uh, music break there, the idea that uh, there is some... Uh, acrimony between mm. the queer community and the government of Quebec. There's some there's some friction between community groups and government organizations kind of across the globe. Mm. There are there are differences of opinion on just about everything. Um, on who should do what, what is the plan, what counts as being success. Um, we here have been mostly off the air critical because we don't want to be crass about it, but there are various local community groups for the promotion of LGBT, LGBTQ awareness and all that. That really just comes down to we painted a mural, job's done. Yeah, I think you said we painted a mural on the back of a pancake shop. Yeah. We've solved transphobia. Yes. <laughs> There are there are community groups that do have that mindset, and you're just sitting there like, but no. So I understand murals are very good in terms of um, identifying communities. Like yeah, you know when you're in Chinatown. Yeah, here in Ottawa, and you know when you walk by, you know that pancake shop. There is a queer community here. Yeah, that likes paint. You know it. Yes, it it it's the idea of being seen to be believed. Yeah. And then this is a way of being like, see us now. It yeah. doesn't do nothing, but it doesn't do what they think it does either sometimes. Mm. And this is one of the issues is sometimes governments want plans. They want strategies. They want metrics. Gotta love a strategy. They want you, like if they're paying you $5.6 million of the next three years, they want to know that that's going to do something. Mm. Deliverables. Deliverables. They want deliverables, and they, they want outcomes, and they they don't want to just take your word for it. Well, sometimes they do. Sometimes there is there is an obligation. Yeah, yeah. The government is supposed to, you know, responsibly 
use taxpayer funds. Yes. You know what I mean? You can't just be willy-nilly spending money here, there, and everywhere because that's not that's not responsible to the tax base. Yes. It's not responsible behavior for Quebecers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get it. There is an issue, though, and that is sometimes if you if you're to claim that's not responsible spending, the way not not the concept of spending money on ending homophobia and transphobia, but the way in which you did it. Sometimes you get people in the ministry whose answer is, "How dare you? Are you homophobic?" And it's we're not criticizing what you're doing; we're criticizing how you're doing. Yeah, we're criticizing how you did it. Yeah, yeah exactly. and that that goes for community groups as well. Uh, Sort of infamously, there is a, there was a report that was released by a Canadian-based, uh, community-based uh, public service. Oh, God. Well, the one that they they had a big survey, and it was, what, 12 people? Is yeah, that the one it was all their yeah. friends. And then the way they presented the data, anyone in grade 8 would know that's not how you do a pie chart. And yeah. it was just the most embarrassing thing ever. And they got paid money for that. And we're not going to name who they are because, if anything else... It's been long enough that there's been turnover. It's a different yeah. group by now. It, yeah. It's, what's it, the, not the Argo, the ship of Theseus. It's the ship of Theseus. Are you thinking like, whatchamacallum's broom? Yeah, you replace it piece by piece, or the axe. Is it the same broom? Yeah, Is exactly. It the sa- it's not the same organization anymore. There's no point in smearing them. It's completely different people by now. But it was an embarrassment, and they got paid money to make that thing. And Like that hideous sweater. <laughs> oh. Unrelated. Unrelated. <laughs> um, but there is, there are issues, and and it's from within the community as well. It's not just you know the the boogeyman, um, you know, homophobic, transphobic boogeyman conservative who lives on a farm with a shotgun and Nima. Like, not everyone who's critical is that. You know, you do have liberal or progressive or even centrist-minded individuals from within the community who are saying, I don't mind the fact that government dollars are going towards this, but what is it going towards? Are they doing their job? Are they good at it? Is the government oversight any good? Is the government department that's overseeing this, do I trust them to make a good decision? Like, you don't have to be that stereotype to, to question this. And actually it is kind of an issue because there have been times in the past where people have questioned these mm. community organizations and they say, well, you're just a homophobe, a transphobe and a conservative and probably also, and then they just list everything else. And it's, it, that's cheating. Like, I'm sorry, but we have genuine concerns. Can you address them please? Um, it looks like some of the issues in Quebec uh, or so the, the, the program in Quebec is mostly just focused around awareness and what awareness means, it could be anything from, hey, by the way, homosexuals and trans people exist, which is kind of low-hanging fruit. That's very, like, early 90s. But it could also be, here's how you report hate crime. Yeah. Which yeah. is functional. That does mm-hmm. something. It could be, uh, here are the local services that you could turn to if you find yourself homeless due to... But objection for I don't like, know. I don't know how the government can tell people it's spending over two million a year yeah. on awareness. Yeah, you know what I mean. I do wonder, and maybe this is just me being cynical. Yeah, I do wonder if maybe they did some polling and realized that uh, certain community members will never vote for them. Mm-hmm. So dropping two million to make everyone, you know, feel better about them is not a bad idea. Now the other half. Of the budget, you said it was what? Uh, how much? How many million over f- five years? Uh, twenty-seven. Ooh. 
27 ish? I just tried to remember when I actually have the news report right in front of me. But it was it 3.7 million. There you go. Okay. So it works out to be about 5 million a year ballpark around there. Approximately. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm half of that going to community groups, but you also said that there were 70, 70 mm-hmm. um, community groups. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that works out to? 35 grand. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so. On the one hand, I'm like, okay, you can't really hire a full-time person yeah. on 35 grand. And you're assuming it's going to be evenly distributed. I don't think it will be. No, no. I think that there are probably some very grassroots organizations where going from no money yeah. to 10, 20 grand is going to be revolutionary. Yes. You know, your ability to operate as a grassroots org with enough money for an office mm-hmm. or enough money for someone part-time to do the books or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it can have a massive impact. But on the other hand, organizations that are operating, you know, out of Montreal or Quebec City, they're probably, in terms of nonprofits in the city of that size, mm-hmm. between the five hundred and seven fifty thousand mark in terms of their size. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point, you're looking at hiring a person to do a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's if you're getting between 70 and 100K to, to be able to do it. And the thing you're hiring them for, it's probably written in their contract that this is a one and a half year uh, project based employment. And then when the project is done, uh, we may keep you on for something else, but the funding for this is dried up. Like, I would be curious. They've given a five year um, lifespan. Mm-hmm. On, on this funding. Mm. Now, for a long time, governments the world over yeah. would give funding for one year. And then you'd have to apply again, yeah. make a whole new project. And it's very difficult to create any kind of systematic change. And sustainable uh, change. And sustainable change yeah. when you have to reinvent yourself every 12 months. Yeah. You know, it becomes a challenge. So I would be curious to see if the Quebec government uh, gives multi-year funding. Now mm-hmm. that multi-year funding, that could have a real impact on the lives of queer folks yeah. in Quebec mm-hmm. um, and, and really make a huge difference. So on the whole, I think this is great. I, I'm not sure if the 50-50 split with, you know, promo yeah. is, is where I would cut the balance. Well, 55% goes to the community. The remaining 45% is going to be the ministry itself. And that will be things like awareness campaigns. But you're right. It'll also probably be just like administration. Uh, it might be developing a relationship with other ministries. It could be getting on a full-time employee whose main job is to work with other uh, branches of the government, other officials, that kind of thing. Like being the crossroads is not a bad thing. I... I don't quite have that Argentinian afuera energy, mm-hmm. but I do think that um, uh, there are a lot of jobs that may not need to exist in the government. But if you have data being collected from StatsCan and you have data being collected from uh, the police and you have data being collected from the health ministry, having one person whose full-time job is to collect all that data, put it in one place and say, what do we know about the lives of LGBT people in Quebec, given what we know from all this other data? Make a report, make an analysis, make recommendations. That kind of job, I don't think that's worthless. 
um, being the center point for all that information, that is the kind of thing that they could do for it. Mm-hmm. I, maybe they already exist and I just invented the wheel again. Now, that is why the Liberals created the LGBTQ Secretariat. Yeah. You know, there is, they, they talk a lot about the whole of government approach. Yeah. You know, which just seems half-assed. Yeah. But really what they're saying is what the CRAF understands about gay servicemen needs to be at a standard where the lighthouse keeper, (laughs) you know, also, you know, the guy that operates the canal is on the same boat. You know what I mean? And I'm choosing esoteric federal uh, authority here. But so much of government is fiefdoms and siloed, you know, it's the treasury, it's heritage, Mm -hmm. it's IRCC, it's CBSA, yeah. you know, and, and never they should meet. Yeah. And But the idea of knowing, you know, the left hand, knowing what the right hand yeah. is doing, invaluable, yeah. invaluable. And it means that as a queer person, you're like, look, I'm running into a brick wall. Mm. I have an issue. This body of government says, not us. This body of government says, not us. Yeah, yeah. I've fallen down in the middle. There's a great big crack here and I've, I've fallen down into it. Agencies like that are, are a really good way of addressing it. The um, anti-racism uh, secretariat, I think, does a very similar role uh, to the LGBTQ secretariat. Mm-hmm. Essentially tying all of these loose threads together. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you mentioned Argentina because... Mm-hmm. There were, I think they had like 20 plus ministries. 18. 18. And they're down to nine. And yeah. he cut them all off. But he also killed off the Ministry for Women and Minorities. Yes. yes. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Well, he, the, the, the president basically said, we have a 40% unemployment rate, the money that we save on cutting this the the ministry was also famously bloated like like i am in support of the idea of a secretariat of lgbt issues in canada if the secretariat had a hundred assistants doing research under him or her Mm -hmm. i would be like that's a bit much you know you can be for something but also say this is the wrong point in history for that there's no budget for that we have other bigger fish to fry there's widespread starvation and crime or something like that. Like that money could be spent, you know, everybody benefits when nobody gets mugged every day. Yeah. You know, so there is that kind of, is it the right time in history for this? So when you're talking about Argentina, I think you're, you're talking about a very different context Mm. than Canada. And I also think you can be in support of something, but also be in support of a small version of that. So I like the idea of, you know, Secretary of, of Anti-Racism or Secretary of, of LGBT Issues. But I also think their office should be small. I think I think it should take them half a day to do the Christmas shopping for their employees. Yeah. You know? And it, it that's basically, yeah. It, it's this weird thing, like, it's not yes or no. I wish, I wish that came up more often. The N-word, you know? Nuance, mm. you know that that seems to be missing from a lot of discussions. These really days. wondered why we were going to go with that. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, you can be in favor of something, but only a little bit. That that is a thing. Yeah, know? it's not all or nothing. <laughs> yeah, you know, so much of our politics right now is I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. Or, I'm right, you're a racist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, or <laughs> what have you. You know, and you I disagree think... with me, you must be transphobic. It's like, yeah, yeah. I yeah. disagree with you because 
you're putting the eggs in before the butter. Like it's that doesn't make me transphobic. You know, like a, yeah. the 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 weird yeah. example, but you know what I mean. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think there's definitely room for nuance. You know, I get I got frustrated recently with um, with the, the you know let, let's <laughs> let's move on. This is good news. This is good news. <laughs> Out of Quebec. Okay. Um, I would be curious to see if other governments do a similar initiative. I mean, Ontario has. We've seen the funding come down the pipes. And that was uh, three years ago, I think? Two years ago? Three years ago? And we're still writing on that because it was also a five-year thing, six-year thing? I think you were referring to the feds. Was it the feds? It was the feds. I, I don't think... Ontario did that. No, I don't think Ontario's done you don't, that. You don't think the Ford government would do that? No. <laughs> no. No. The only way you're going to see money from the Ford government is if you are a property developer. Like, that is probably... Or if you like trains. I will never understand. (laughs) This is a conservative government who's obsessed with public transit. And it's there's something about it that my brain just can't compute. But I still... I'm like, you know what? Don't question it. Just accept it. I'm pretty sure it's suburban voters. He's building trains. It's fine. Yeah. All right. (laughs) We are going to jump to our next song of the day. And that is... uh, What is our next song of the day? This is I Saw Me by Victrix. Uh, this is Dream Pop. Mm-hmm. I'm on the fence about Dream Pop, but uh, you talk me into it. I like Dream Pop. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's an unsung genre. It's very chill. It's, it's a little bit more summery, but, uh, you know, it, it is sitting on a hammock with a, a cool beverage looking at a freshwater beach. That, that is, that is the vibe of Dream Pop. All right. And we will be back just after this. <laughs>
and welcome back to Cancui, home of Canada's queer media. My name remains Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Now, one of the things I forgot to mention in the segment just now is around accountability. Yes. 35 grand here, 10 grand there, 50 grand there, 70 grand there, you know, millions of dollars spread out across 70 organizations. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, I expect the government will be doing some kind of reporting back mechanism, some kind of monitoring. Mm -hmm. But where is the accountability from within the community itself? We've talked about the collapse of queer media. Mm -hmm. There are no queer news agencies out there in the country right now who's keeping an eye on this. You know what I mean? And it would have to be pretty big before the CBC or Radio Canada picks it up. And the few that are remaining, a lot of them are sort of... um unconditional cheerleaders you know Mm -hmm. a queer person does it it is positive there is no questioning it there's no doubting it there's no uh you know uh, there are people who genuinely think that jesse smollett is still a victim of a hate crime to this day they just refuse to believe all the evidence in their face and there is an issue with that of a lot of organizations and and you know reporters of various kinds just basically just saying you know queer community says this therefore must be true and it's fine sometimes we're we're human we're fallible sometimes queer folks get it wrong sometimes you know there is there are unsavory characters and the weirdest thing is the number of time where a story could be confirmed or denied with one phone call and they just Mm -hmm. didn't do it yeah well we will try our best but of course uh, with quebec everything is in french so really it's it's on you (laughs) (laughs) We'll try and see what kind of accountability we can bring, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I suspect it would be limited given our lack of any kind of resources. Mm. All right, but I think it's always worth saying that when this support goes to the community, who's watching? You know, who's who's holding folks to account? Yeah, I uh, we have community-led organizations here in Ottawa that do exactly what they say on the tin, and they do a good job. And there's others where. It's kind of unprofessional and embarrassing. And again, we're not going to name names because we don't want to be that. We don't want to be that guy. Well, I'm going to move now to our next topic of the day. And so the leading provider of, um, I would say, gentleman cinema. Uh, the but, Fast and the Furious movies? Well, no. I mean, Ma, Ma Familia uh-huh. is the provider of the Fast and Furious movies. Okay. Um, no, I'm, I'm referring to... Uh, gentleman cinema. Yes, yes. Uh, there is well, it's strep. It's Pornhub. We're talking about Pornhub yes. in 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 the most uh, appropriate sense. But mm-hmm. there are billions of people who make use of their services, mm-hmm. and they have revealed some really interesting uh, data points. Now, I think what it says more than anything else is some of it was quite surprising. You know. For example, you know, in the States, mm-hmm. men over 50, trans was one of the top searches. Mm-hmm. In the context of the amount of anti-trans legislation and rhetoric, mm-hmm. that's a that's a question mark. You well, know what I mean? I mean they, they could just write it off as know thy enemy, you know, just know thy enemy all the way through. Well, yes, yes. I mean, there is definitely a degree of... When th- something comes up in public discourse, yes, 
What's that rule? There's a rule of the internet. If it exists, there's a prawn of it. Rule 34? Rule 34, that's the one. <laughs> you know, when things bubble up into the common consciousness, the, yeah. the, the zeitgeist, as it were, you know, there is definitely people that are going to be like, oh, I wonder if, if there is uh, other cinema on and, this. And if people are looking it up and people are tracking that data and then telling the producers who are creating it, I remember years ago... Uh, I remember reading a story and then in my heart remembering never go on the internet ever again. Uh, But the story was that there were multiple studios in the U.S. who were making fidget spinner themed pornography. And there was fidget... I I have no idea what's involved in that because I avoided the internet for the next three years and then bleached my eyes and my brain and my soul. Mm -hmm. But apparently that was a thing that happened. Dune 2 and Willy Wonka are coming out over the next couple months. There might be desert-themed... Oh, there is definitely... There is definitely cinema related to that. And oh, 100%. It, and it's... it's it, it I is, mean, I don't personally know, but it, it seems like an obvious... I think zeitgeist is a good way of putting it. It just creeps into all sorts of things. Well, let me tell you this one. The search term Android this past year grew by 1,689%. I don't think they're talking about the operating system. I think they are. Android, well, not the operating system, as Android cosplay and Android roleplay in particular. What? Robot and sex robot and 3D robot grew by 300% this year. As well as my favorite one, NPC. Oh. (laughs) Non-playable characters. Uh, That search term grew by over 1,500%. The third overall... The third most top popular search was machines and robots. Okay. And when we think about how ubiquitous ChatGPT and AI and, you know, these things have really been in the the people have been thinking about yeah. it. People have been thinking more about robots and, and AI this past year than ever before. Well, I, I, I question... I mean, I, I agree and disagree. I think the discussion around AI is more prevalent than AI itself. I think more people are thinking about whether or not AI is going to take over than the number of AI things that actually have taken over. I mean, famously, there have been people who do AI-generated scripts, stories, uh, little short movies and things like that, and they are all profoundly bland. They they lack the spark of creativity of, like, a Coen's Brothers movies, you know? Like... It doesn't have that that feel that like an auteur have has created this with some individual flair that lets you know that you know David Lynch directed this movie or that you know this is definitely a J.R. Tolkien novel. It it lacks that fingerprint because they they tend to be generic, and because of that, I don't think I don't think authorship's ever going away. Mm-hmm. Or uh, what was it? Somebody created like an AI generated. Um, Taylor Swift song and it sounded like the most boring b-side she ever made but it did sound like her but it it, it was boring it lacked that flair of it lacked a certain humanity in fact there is um my partner Jake helped to create a Christmas card for one of his co-workers Mm -hmm. and he used uh GPT to create the wording in it and I've mentioned this to other people I work with as well. There is a tone, a a voice mm. that is distinct to ChatGPT. Yeah. You know, when you've read enough things that it produces, it has that same 
mm-hmm. um, cadence, that same. Um, it, in terms of writing, it's the voice. It's the voice of how it's written. Yeah. You know, so you, I can always spot it yeah. <laughs> because it's like, it's it's sort of stilted. It's kind of, it lacks character. It lacks um, dynamism from when people naturally write. That's what editing is for. I mean, famously, Prince refused to sing Nothing Compares to You ever again after Sinead O'Connor performed it. Like, you can take a, a bland chat GPT piece mm-hmm. and zhuzh it up with your own flair. You know, but anyway, uh, yeah, we're we're talking about uh, this survey from this. Uh, Absolutely, right. one of the things that kind of was a bit interesting this year, and right. we had various opinions of it. Now, right. the most searched terms of twenty twenty three. What jumps out is the number of search terms that have jumped up to the top that are. Asian inspired. Okay. The number one global search term was hentai. But also we have Japanese, Philippines, Asians, mm-hmm. all in there as their own search terms in the top five. Mm-hmm. Now my partner Jake immediately jumped to great, we're being fetishized. Mm-hmm. Like this is just Asian folks being fetishized the world over, and that's the result of it. I I disagree. Mm. My my theory as to why so many people are looking at these particular search terms relates to the writer's strike uh-huh. in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to that idea of the, the sort of overall cultural consciousness, that, uh, which sounds like a ridiculous um, concept. Yeah. But water cooler moments. When you're at the water cooler at work, what are you talking about? And with the writer's strike, so much North American TV and films simply did not happen. Are the ones that actually the top three lowest scoring TV shows on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes were all released this year? Yeah, yeah. North American, Hollywood and and the States, North American uh, television content mm. bottomed out oh, yes. as a result of the writer's strike. Mm-hmm. But you know who didn't stop <laughs> making content? South Korea. And Japan. And Japan. Yeah. And, you know, the Squid Games, for example. Yeah. Squid Games is probably the best example of this. Mm-hmm. Massive global hit. Everyone is now looking at Asian lead yeah. content being like, oh, I can, I can identify with these characters. Yes. Clearly, maybe they have really identified with these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Is it fetishization? Probably. Is it only fetishization? I don't think so. I think a part of this is, I want to say you are what, what you eat, mm-hmm. but I feel like folks' interest reflects the media they consume, and there's been a lot of uh, content and TV shows from the streaming giants yeah. coming out of Asia. Also a lot of failed projects that inspired the original. So the the failure of Cowboy Bebop got more people watching the original, which re-inspired a lot of people that, you know, not every um, Japanese cartoon is about a, an 11-year-old who goes to a school specifically to make you a hero, uh, which is the plot of like seven different major stories. Anyway, just this sort of reminder that there is stuff out there yeah, for sure. And, and uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the hentai thing is kind of... It's a lesbian in the States. It's hentai globally. Oh. In the States, it's lesbian. Okay, okay. 
being someone who I, I'm not as fluent as I used to be by any means, but I did used to speak Japanese. Hentai is just the word for pervert. It's like somebody who peeks in the window or makes raunchy jokes all the time is a hentai. They are a hentai person. Mm-hmm. So hentai is just like perverted uh, media is is the way that they actually kind of frame it. But I'm sure that's not what they mean when they're doing searches. Usually when they do that, they, they zoom in on uh, the animated stuff, which yeah, yeah. Uh, does not need to follow the rules of reality. Um, but I mean, it's really interesting. One of the things that I wanted to look in at as well is... The the gay content. Okay. We are a gay uh, radio show. I'm Ooh. just trying to... Uh... One thing that I will say is something that I have seen a lot more of this year relative to the past is more discussion about how much we consume, whether or not it's good or bad for us. Is there a neutral way to do so? There's definitely a lot more talk on there is a bad way to do so. There is such a thing as a bad, unhealthy way to consume gentleman cinema and there's a lot more discussion about i don't know not not its permissibility not about its legality but but just how good is it for you and is there such a thing as a right way and a wrong way a good amount a bad amount too much i don't think anybody would say not enough but like there have been a lot more discussions on that and not just from grandstanding moralizers either people who are looking at it from like a data driven perspective of like people who watch this much and then they sort of track that versus life outcomes and things like that. There's been a, I I haven't seen anything um, this year that's truly quantifiable, but I've seen a lot of people talking about starting projects like that. It Mm -hmm. is a growing discussion that we may have a societal issue with this basically. So I don't know. There there has been more discussion around that as well. What this survey tells us And we, we, I'm not going to dwell on it any further. But what I think it tells us is what people in aggregate, mm-hmm. like what, what the masses are looking at in the privacy of their own bedrooms, mm-hmm. you know, that tells an interesting story about what we as a people are finding most interesting. Fidget spinners. Fidget spinners, yeah. androids. You name it. So yeah. I think it's an interesting story to, to, to look into. Now, the uh, last note I want to make is uh, Heartstopper, the latest graphic novel, novel, has smashed records for sales of a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about it during the break. And More than Watchmen and Scott Pilgrim? Yeah, no, it's wow. it's huge. The uh, Netflix adaptation, I think, uh, did really well. Um, they featured in a whole bunch of like major Pride events. They had big floats for the uh, for Heartstopper. Okay. Uh, the actors are followed as minor actor celebrities now. I will also be ordering a copy of the book. I have I have the previous four, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'd like to maintain my collection. It is. A very quick read. I think it took me like three or four days to get through it. Would recommend. It's also pleasant. Okay. Now, you said that you thought perhaps it was the Streisand effect. Some of it may have been, yeah. A lot of people saying uh, Heartstopper's not worth it. Heartstopper is... Banned. Yeah. yeah, so... 
because people are discouraged from reading it, more people are going to read it just to see what it's all about. And I mean, really, it's just graphic novels tend to be pretty understated. That's kind of the thing about the genre. Um, even highfalutin sci-fi things, like weirdly enough, the graphic novel version of Viver Vendetta, uh, it had its moments, but it was generally pretty understated. Uh, which you would not expect for something that comes out of the comic book industry, but it does mm-hmm. tend to be true. All right, we'll be playing out now with Spring by Murphy. My name has been Luke Smith. And I have been Sebastian. And thank you for listening. Another day if I don't have to I'm tired of giving your intentions away